Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Missions Takeover on Anything Goes. Again, my name is Caitlin, and today I have on with us Mike Musgrove, who is the Executive Director of Surrey Urban Mission, one of our local partners in Surrey, British Columbia. And through this conversation, I'm hoping to get into the nitty gritty of what it means to be the church in the community and working with people living on the streets and people with addictions is quite a hot topic because there's the elements of people going from the side of you're enabling people, but then there's also the element of we know God calls us to care for people who are hungry and in need. And so Mike, really looking forward to this conversation. One of the big reasons why I really wanted to have you on was I've seen your leadership. I've been to the mission multiple times and I highly respect you. I love how you are so humble in the role that you are. You know the guests by name, you know their stories, you care and lead and serve so well. And so really excited to have you on. Um, to get us going, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to serve at Surrey Urban Mission? Uh, yeah, thank you. That was very kind. Um, so uh, so I'm uh, Mike Musgrove. I'm the executive director of Surrey Urban Mission. Uh, I have a uh, uh, in my non-mission life, uh, though it, all my life, I have my wife, Stephanie, and two kids, Dylan and Quinn. Uh, they're both adults. Um, actually, one of them, uh, Dylan, is working with the mission right now, um, temporarily while he's off school. Um, the uh, um, So how I ended up here, was that that was the second part of the question. I, uh, it's about, well, it was, uh, let's see, 2014. I was just really feeling restless. Uh, Oz Guinness said, called it, coined the term, I think he coined it. It's uh, holy restlessness uh, when you're just feeling really unsettled, but you know that it's the Lord doing something. And, and I was feeling that. And it was quite profound and it was getting more and more profound. And so, so I knew I had to obey. And so it had gone on for a few years and I was like, okay, time to listen. And so uh, I was working as a high school counselor and vice principal at that time and uh, went to uh, the principal and the, the boss and said that uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to leave uh, in, at the end of this year. So June 2015, I left um, with the, I felt like a clear, clear guidance from the Lord to not control the process and that, that he would reveal the path. A few times I was fairly disobedient and started trying to control the process and it was shut down quite quickly. Uh, but in September, 2015, I wandered into Surrey Urban Mission and felt that kind of, um, I don't know if it was a holy restlessness lift or just a real clear, this is it. And I was, I looked around and I was like, what, this is it. And it was, I don't know. It just was, uh, uh, I was not that it wasn't a spectacular opportunity. It was just, I was looking around and I, I thought that I was going to be going into a place with, you know, uh, like, I don't know, like a place like UGM where everything's well established. And I, I go in, this was, this was clearly a place that needed uh, some, some uh, work maybe. I don't know. And then anyways, I started volunteering and uh, that was in September. And by November, I was the executive director. I think I was probably the only staff member at that time, but still they wow. called it the executive director. Yeah. Um, there's, there's kind of, I guess, like one and a half staff members. Um, I'd be the one and there's two people making up the half. Um, so, uh, so that's it. And then, and, uh, so even if you, if I can continue, I, 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 uh, I had a, uh, I was still feeling really, really like, Lord, did I make the right decision here? And, uh, we, it was actually when I became executive director and it was announced the day I was. There was just a lot of just incredible support from our guests and the volunteers. And one guest in particular came up and he shook my hand back when you could shake hands and, uh, and, and he held it. And, and I looked at him and, and uh, his name was Silas. And he said, uh, he said, uh, Mike. And I said, yeah, and you, the Holy Spirit's working in you. And I immediately just started the ball. <laughs> and it was like, it was like the, 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 the line for lunch was coming in. It was like, everyone was paying attention to the new executive director who's now crying like a baby. And he, and he's holding on to my hand. And he won't let go. And then I just, I didn't know what to say. I was all like, and I said, I said, 
I love you. And that was about it. And then I let go of his hand and away he went. But that was, uh, that was, I guess, from the beginning, kind of, uh, you know, the confirmation uh, that I was in the right spot. So, mm. yeah, there you go. Remarkable. And well, I've personally seen you in action. I've seen that confirmation over and over in the way the guests respect you and just the relationships that you've built with them. I know multiple times you've come and you're like, here, I got people to introduce to you. Um, And so we go on the tour meeting everyone and I absolutely love it. But I love that that holy restlessness that you talked about. And I think did it take you a period of slowing down to catch what God was saying or was it in the midst of busyness of life where you were feeling that stir? Yeah, it was actually the summer before the year, the school year started. And, and so I was off work and yeah, uh, there was, there was a few things that happened Mm -hmm. at that time. One was uh, I went on a hike um, that, uh, that was uh, almost deadly and uh and and i was i was on my way up and i was almost to the top and then i uh three hours later i was back in the same spot hadn't made it to the top and uh i was near tears um a bit of a baby i guess um and i said uh said lord why is this so difficult i was just praying lord why is this so difficult and immediately felt like this like whatever made you think that this was going to be easy and um and so, so I finished the hike, came back down, but uh, I think that that was one of the times along with, with all this that I was like, man, I think I'm taking the easy route and that's not necessarily the path for me. And so, so yeah, it was, I think it was revealed in kind of a time of, of quiet and mm-hmm. where I was kind of getting to choose what I was doing rather than being told to get to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Um, And I think so important for us because we, during COVID, are almost in a time where we are into that forced quiet and slowness and away from maybe what we're used to doing. So I think this is an incredible time for us to actually consider, hey, maybe is God stirring in us to do something else than what we were doing before? Um, Yeah. One of the things with you guys is you're a multi-service provider. We've been able to partner with you guys. I know you're a shelter. You have four locations now, and I want you to talk a little bit about that growth because that's mostly been during COVID. I know right before COVID, you opened up a few months before you had opened up the Cove, which is more of a temp, uh, more of a permanent shelter, um, phenomenally done. And we had volunteers from Village go help set up all the bunk beds and We've loved being partners with you guys. The opportunities you provide us for, yeah, getting connected with your community is phenomenal. And we have nurses and doctors who have volunteered their time giving medical care to the um, the friends at the shelter. And then we have volunteers who come and help with meals. And we had delivery drivers during COVID. Just so many ways that we're involved with you guys. And I absolutely love it. But Starting before all the shelter expansions, what were some of the big challenges that you saw with um, all these restrictions and lockdowns for the community of people living on the streets? Yeah, um, well, it was it was really, really tough, but we were we were mobilized really quickly um, in the beginning. So I was actually um, in uh, in uh, Utah, right on the border of Arizona and Utah. Um, My wife and I were getting away for spring break, very determined. Um, and we turned around and came back and, uh, and drove straight through um, to get back when we realized that we were going to be in trouble if we didn't get back home. Uh, and then immediately we just started into action with uh, protocols and what's happening. And, um, and then uh, soon after we were asked to open the ERC. So there wasn't a lot of time. So we were doing a lot of, we had to shut down our meal program right away, which is just that's mm-hmm. it's a huge cost um that program allowed us to make contact with people through we were a hub uh, we were a community hub for people that didn't have places to go and so we were the place to go and a lot of folks have lost that right now mm-hmm. um so that immediately was a huge uh, uh impact and then it was you know people were talking about Oh, you know, I'm working from home. Everything's kind of quieted down, or I don't know what we're going to do. I don't think we've had a second to think about what we're going to do. It's been, it's been so. The pace has been just uh, very fast paced. It's been we opened the the 96 beds at the ERC uh, really quickly. We had a 
60-page protocol manual done. Yet. It was just one thing after another. I mean, fortunately, that 96-bed that shelter uh, never had a single positive case of COVID. So, so we ended up we ended up becoming a bit more of a, a shelter for the city because they were having lots of other issues with people that were outside. And and here's the message, right? We're told all the time, stay home, stay safe. Um, imagine hearing that message when you have no place um, that you're home, right? You know, so so you're, you be a responsible person, stay home. And it's like, I can't stay home. Well, I mean, I I could stay home, but certainly the folks that I work with can't stay home. And so, uh, so I'm not staying home if they can't. Um, and but they, so so we've been trying to kind of find places that they can, I guess, temporarily call home as shelter spaces. Well, this is going on, but it's led to um, rapid growth for us. Uh, my 1.5 staff when we started, I think we're at 90, 96 staff or something now. It's, yeah, I know it's uh, it's hard to keep up, and so. Now our infrastructure needs to catch up with our growth. Yeah. I'm assuming you don't know everyone's names now. Uh, you 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 had everyone I before. <laughs> I feel like that's a little difficult. It's it's I mean uh, yeah, I, I probably know a lot more of the guest names, you know, at, like certainly here at the Olive Branch and uh, um, you know, the Cove. I'll know I'll know a lot of the guest uh, names, but the uh, but yeah, I, I know so few of our staff's names now it's it's uh, yeah it's it's i don't like that right it really you know it's just so important to uh have everyone feel valued you know and loved and uh for some reason knowing someone's name is pretty important yeah i was just telling someone that the other day of we feel known when someone actually remembers our name yeah yeah it's 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 I guess I say yeah like it's so profound but it is like like we want to be known and what better way to know someone you know, this sounds maybe ridiculous but but to know their name and and then uh you know but we dream of of you know going beyond that obviously and uh, uh getting to know the 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 person and the story and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that I that I know a lot of stories or a lot of people's stories and that's been something that that now that we're at 96 staff and I'm further removed, I'm sitting in an office. It's, it's, uh, oh, I love when I come in in the morning because it's always that chance to pass everyone and uh, get a good chance to interact. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these, these folks are amazing folks. They're really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. You have your touch point of the reason why you keep going really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's really it. And, and uh, I always knew that, that the Lord was going to put me in a position where I was, you know, teaching others to do this type of work. Mm. Um, but it's it's hard not being like doing it. You know, I just love uh, being with folks. Um, had a really can I tell you a cool little story today? Um, that I was I was just coming in. I was bringing in some. Uh, some stuff I was fixing something here and so I was bringing in some tools and stuff and and uh I saw this lady actually I heard her she was a block away I could hear her yelling and I was like oh what's going on uh, someone someone's having a rough time and and so she starts walking and sure enough she turns a corner she turns another corner and now she's coming straight at me and then I look and I realize it's it's Missy I'm like and I said I said Missy and she she looks and she goes Mike and I was like how are you she goes well look at me I'm all hunched over like everybody else. I got to stop doing this crap. And, oh, I said crap. Um, anything goes. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, anyways, but it was just this amazing conversation with someone that I had spent a lot of time with in the past and didn't recognize because she's right. She was hunched over. And that's uh, the effects of, of, of her drug use. Mm-hmm. And But immediately she started into the, I got to get away from this stuff. And it started, and then we're like, having a real conversation about it and that ended with uh, an exchange of I love you's and uh, and off she went and it's yeah anyway so telling the story always it's always easier experiencing the stories and then you tell them you start getting all I don't know anyways but anyway it was I hope to see her again real soon and and uh, you know help her uh, but uh, but keep her in keep her in your prayers uh, it's uh, 
it'd be pretty amazing to see her turn around. But that's actually, she's, a lot of folks have had, um, you know, declines through this COVID time. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, the isolation. Yeah. It's been a lot of, a lot of issues with the isolation in the folks. Yeah. 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 We have our whole other set of now ramifications and no easy way to go about solving them. No. But, yeah. Absolutely. So multi-layered. Well, we, I mean, the, look at the overdoses. We were at probably, we would have, um, so prior to the COVID response, we'd have say 70, 70 deaths a, a month, which is, which is excessive. That's huge. That's like, what? But ever since COVID, um, the response, we've had uh, 174, 172 and 176. And then last month was 162. Um, so, uh, maybe we went down 10 because we started loosening, loosening the, uh, restrictions a bit, but these, um, unforeseen, uh, effects of the COVID response are, uh, it's devastating. Those, those numbers are, are huge. It's, that's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have lost good yeah. friends of yours during this time. That's also very many, mm -hmm. yeah, many just, uh, there was three deaths. 12 hours just uh and last bit one of them was someone we were quite close to having uh yeah it's yeah it's it's brutal it's, it's brutal oh my goodness those things are tough you know you get into this this work and uh you love folks and and they they don't always make it as long as you'd like them to it's it's rough yeah well, there's a couple points off of what you've said that I want to explore a little bit further. One of them is the idea of teaching others, because I think, yeah, we as Christ followers and just speaking from that perspective, it can be challenging to want to go into this line of work or engaging with people, because I don't know if you find, but there's this idea that people are too far gone or, you know, it's too big of an issue. I don't know how to step into it. So I'm just not going to, or you know, there's that element, but how have you found teaching others in how to love? Well, I think that's really the message of it. That's what you've talked about is loving people, but you mm -hmm. love people sometimes without anything in return. And you don't, maybe your idea of success might have to change. And um, yeah. How do you just continue to love in the midst of people's very hard circumstances? And when you don't, you might lose them because of things like drugs and, um, mental health and just yeah addiction in general yeah um well you know there's there's great stories you know that are that are ones that make it very appealing right so there's there's uh, a fella scott came in once and i didn't even recognize him he came into my office and he said i just came in to give you a hug i was like okay <laughs> so so i gave him a hug this wasn't COVID time and a big big hug and this guy squeezed me and i was like what's going on here? Uh, like, and he said, said, Mike, I said, you know, that conversation that we had, it meant so much to me. I'm clean. I'm sober. I've been clean and sober for a year and a half. I'm now working with people. And then he said, he said, I want you to know that Matthew is doing really well. Um, he's with us now and he's getting help and he's going to do super well. And now, now I didn't even, I, I didn't remember the conversation. Um, but it, but it was, uh, it was just incredible. Like those are the incredible stories. And Matthew, um, that he referred to, um, has now been like now, I think it's three and a half years. He's been with that program. He was someone that you would have said, no, this guy's, this guy's not gonna, there's, there's no hope. And, and in fact, someone that I knew that I respected very, very highly that, that loved, loves people very well, um, said, yeah, no, not that guy, not that guy. And he was, he was, he was again, really hunched over. Um, and he, he was a, a heroin user. He used a lot of speed as well. Um, and uh, I saw him not long after my conversation with Scott. Um, and I saw him and he was, uh, he was at a hockey tournament and he was standing up right, um, looking amazing. And so it was, so it was really exciting. Um, those are the good stories. And there's, there are a lot of those, mm -hmm. um, but th they wouldn't be enough to keep you going. I mean, this is a Lord's work and uh, you know, it's, it's a response to a call and that, that keeps you going, uh, you know, because there's, there's most, most of the stories are tough, you know, there's people that I, 
I could look outside right now and see, and, and I've been looking at them outside for, for a lot of years, and uh, they're still struggling. You know, you can you know them now and you know their story, but they, you know, they're still struggling. And, and then there's the people that, you know, we, we, uh, we, uh, we deal with a lot of overdose. Uh, we, we, uh, we have um, naloxin kits where we inject people, we um, breathe for people, we do those things and, and you'll, you'll do a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, of your care involves, uh, you know, saving someone's life, uh, which is, which is an awesome thing. But at, at some point uh, you're not there and uh, they don't make it. And, and so that, those are the things that, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you never get used to it. You never want to get used to it. You just, you just know that, that you got to do your best in those times. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's, I think I've said this to you before. It's a uh, dirty work. It's uh, there's nothing, you know, controlling the, the outcome. I think that's why I do so many repairs around this place um, because, because I like the idea of going in and putting the shelf up and I did it right. And there it is sitting there. Um, so, uh, you know, because most of the time, uh, the, the, the outcomes out of your control, uh, the best thing you do is just continue to love and get to know people's stories, um, to share Christ, to pray for people. Um, but, uh, ultimately just to love. I think you made a really good point. The point with loving people isn't for a particular outcome. It's to love them. I mean, your hope is that then they would see, especially people who, Um, I mean, even being at any shelter that I've been a part of, I've heard time and again, people recognize that people don't really see them anymore. Um, They just walk past them. Nobody looks them in the eye. And so having someone who actually begins to care for them as a person, their name, who they are, and actually care what happens to them. And like you having the conversations with that lady of, you can have those hard conversations. She knows the place that she's in, but she knows that you love her and want her out of it but you're not there to fix her and but you get to talk about that and that's the realness of it and um I always found being in those environments like church in a sense because everything's out on the table everything raw and real it's you know I'm doing my best to follow God but yes this addiction or this thing in my life is kind of taking over right now and I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other but it's that realness and um there's no pretending that you're anything else it's just this is who I am right now. Yeah, that's awesome. You hit on, I think, two real key um, issues. One is one is just that whole idea of invisible. Uh, Christ was super good at, at um, the best at making the invisible visible. Um, you just look at look at who he chose to spend his time with, and and so I think that's a real message for us. And I completely forgot the second thing. So. So uh, I knew as soon as I said it, I'd forget. So it'll come to me later. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Well, one of the things I think even in our culture, which is part of the the pushback is, you know, I think people are easy to think, well, there's a ton of social services out there. So what can I offer people? You know, it's better to just let them go to those social services. But I think, you know, if you're speaking to someone who is a Christ follower, and you know what, actually, the biggest thing I've seen for people who are skeptics or people who don't go to church is when they see Christians actually loving in the way that God called and that draws them in. I've had a lot of friends say, Oh, I actually really respect that. Can I come join you sometime? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a really powerful message when we live that out, but yeah. How have you dealt with the kind of the tension between people saying, well, there's social services. I don't know how to get involved. So I'm just not going to. Yeah. It's quite a, you know, I think that, I don't know exactly like a hundred and hundred years ago, the church was responsible for, taking care of the poor. They did it. You know, there's a system that came in and, uh, you know, we started having the government take care of people and, and there's something that's missed. I mean, not that there aren't amazing people doing really great work, uh, but there's the, the part that's missed is that uh, maybe the love, right. That, that getting to know, I, I feel like a broken record sometimes, but getting to know the stories uh, you know, getting, and, and when I say stories, it's just getting to know the person, like the complete person, as opposed to just the guy in front of Safeway that asks you for money or, uh, you know, um, plays guitar. Um, it's, it's, 
you know, they, they have incredible stories. So, so I don't know. I, that's, that's one thing that I think that we need to get really good at is loving individuals. It's not clumping people together as, Oh, you're, you know, in that homeless group. Uh, you, that's a tough thing. That's, that's a tough one is that whole idea. We push everyone together. We say, Hey, you're that group. And then we kind of treat them all that way. And, and I'll tell you every single one of these folks, they're, they're, well, they're incredibly different and they're people ask, Oh, well, how do people end up, you know, in this, in this state? And, and uh, I mean, how did you end up where you are? Caitlin, you know, how did I end up where I am? You know, they're not going to be the same story. And nor, you know, are, are the folks that come in here robots that just mindlessly follow some same story. It's, it's, everyone is diverse. We have people that were nurses that fell and, and hurt their backs, started taking oxys and, and oxys are brutally addictive. And so they, they, uh, then, then the doctor's like, oh, no, 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 you're using too many oxys. So I got to take you off those. And, and there's no assistance for them and they end up getting heroin now it's fentanyl because you can't really even get heroin now, especially during COVID times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, then, then you have an addiction that's really hard, but that's a nurse. I mean, what, what is she? And she had wonderful parents, you know, she went through school. She was a great nurse, fell and hurt her back. So there's her story. What did she do? Well, she fell and hurt her back. That's how she ended up here. Um, you know, but a series of issues. I mean, obviously I think that, that you know, a lot of the women that end up here, and and the men have been through a lot of abuse and mm-hmm. a lot of tough things. Um, but there's a lot of us that have been through a lot of us, a lot of other people that don't end up. Uh, isn't that amazing? I, I would fall into that. Um, the the uh, there's a lot of people um, who who go through the abuse and don't end up, you know, using drugs. And so so how do we end up where we are? Uh, it's a story for anyone to tell, but that's the thing. If you want to find out how someone ended up here, then uh, I'll introduce you to someone you get to know. Then you can tell me. <laughs> How's that? It's perfect. <laughs> um, well, even off of that point of you have done a really good job at loving the neighbor and what has that looked like for you in leading the organization? And I've seen it in action, even with your neighbors, your, the, your, the businesses that are around you guys, how have you lived that out um, through your leadership at Sums? Man, this, 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 is a, this is a tough question, really, because, um, you know, we do love our neighbors. We love our neighbors dearly. And, and, and you don't just love the people that, that love you. I think that's a pretty clear, uh, uh, clear instruction. And when we uh, sometimes, you know, have neighbors try to, um, actually, it sounds crazy, but actually sabotage what we're doing, uh, you know, fence us in literally, um, you know, we'll get staff saying, Mike, you know, they just, they just fenced us right in. We can't bring our garbage out. We got to bring our garbage out the front. Now we got to, what are we going to do? You know, do we still clean up in front of our neighbor's place? And I said, yeah, we still clean up in front of our neighbor's place because, because we didn't start this because, because of you know, the way he treated us, we started it because it's the call to love our neighbors and uh, neighbors don't always make it easy um, to love them. But, uh, but that's the call. It's not a choice. It's so you don't get to say, Oh, you weren't nice to me. So now I don't have to love you anymore. Um, that's not, I, I, I would, I would say, uh, find that one in the Bible and, and then reveal it to me. Cause that would be, that'd be anyways, I won't, I won't finish that sentence. <laughs> But uh, it'd be pretty interesting if you found that and got me off the hook at loving my neighbor um, <laughs> sometimes. Although I'm telling you that that regardless, um, the choice to love trumps any other choice. Um, you know, I'm not, I've, I've failed many times in, uh, in loving. And uh, I can tell you, it feels a lot better um, the times you succeeded in loving, even in the hardest situations. Yeah, even when he don't feel like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when we did, you guys had a vision to do community cleanup. And <laughs> <laughs> we partnered with yeah. you on that. Yeah. And I was very grateful um, for the pamphlet that you guys created. Of <laughs> We had the pooper oh, scooper. <laughs> the pooper pickup. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> the pooper pickup 
Not gonna lie, I was on that duty, but it was actually <laughs> duty. You said duty. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now we digress. Um. <laughs> but point being, in doing that, it was actually pretty incredible seeing the response of people out and about who would stop and say, "Well, why are you doing this? This shouldn't be your responsibility." And it's, well, no, it is. We believe in this work, and we're just here to serve, and we want th- those around to feel cared for just as much as the guests that are coming to the shelter. And so I think even, you know, in all of our partnerships, we don't focus on just one community. It's like, okay, the only people that we're going to love are Mm -hmm. the people who we see as needing food right now. And so that's our focus. It's everyone else around you. And I think, you know, you have one focus, but then it really does expand onto everyone else around the staff that you might have. And um, I love yeah, the people that you guys have worked there. I've had great conversations with people and it's just such a, yeah, just a unique place to walk into and get to know a variety of people. And so I've loved that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a poo crew. Um, the, um, the, uh, it was amazing actually that, that you guys coming and doing that and there's been other groups that have come in and helped with cleanup, but, but that was, you did it quite a few times and so you got to kind of see what was going on and and uh, get to know stories and people became more and more familiar with you folks being there uh you know the village church actually has been a thing that i've really loved has been it's been consistent uh, um when randy came in and spoke with me i was skeptical because you've had a lot of people come in and say oh we want to do big things you know we want to help out we want to do this and then yeah, you get all excited and then then uh, then you get kind of let down. Um, you guys have not done that. Um, even in these, I I feel like right now during COVID, we're we're kind of trying to find ways to to um, keep you involved because you guys are so eager to be involved. It's uh, it's wonderful. Uh, it really, I think, even just the fact that that you're there and you're willing, or that we're doing this, it says so much to us. We just you start to feel like a bit of an island sometimes mm-hmm. um, when it comes to, and there's, there's some, there's a, a couple churches um, that have been, uh, you know, our steadies and you guys have, have been top notch. Absolutely amazing with that, with the nursing programs, with the, the awesome church service, which. That uh, was exciting to launch. We launched that during <laughs> COVID as well. And Oh boy. You know what? The, the, the amazing thing, I've been really trying to take my Sundays off and, and not come in. So I haven't actually seen it in person, but I've heard a lot of stories and um, like, it, it's actually amazing. You have, um, you, you sing the songs, you know, every week or, and you, you know, the songs, but what, what you didn't know is that these folks that I've been hanging out with every day or saying hello to every, they know all the songs. They, they, they can sing them on the, at the top of their lungs and, and dance and, uh, and raise their arms and praise. And I'm hearing this and I'm blown away by, you know, the, the person that I see through the week. And then the person that I hear, you know, that, that, that you know, the Lord is touching in church. And, and, then, and then another lady, we, we learned an immense amount about how brilliant she is. Um, she, she was, uh, I guess, uh, Quoting scripture all the way through someone's uh, someone's little uh, talk, and uh, it was just amazing to see. And then uh, I confronted her on it, and she was like, she quoted a couple verses just to prove it. And uh, I mean, it's it, it, yeah, she's it, it was really this this, uh, and and I guess quite frankly, um, as anything goes, um, mm-hmm. I uh, it's definitely an area where where we talk about growth and. Um, this is like, there's, there's, there's missions that have been, um, you know, they started with, you know, someone praying in a closet, right. And then, and then they step outside, but it's all like prayer and devotions and Bible studies. And then they, oh my goodness, now we're starting a a shelter and, and, uh, you know, and that just kind of all kind of stays with it. Well, well, we've been just like growing so much as a basic need provider, Mm-hmm. Um, that, 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 that infrastructure, the greatest need, right? Christ, um, and the message of Christ, um, uh, you know, we live it, we, we, uh, breathe it, um, 
but I, I do feel like that those moments of just, you know, worshiping and, and sharing a message and praying with people, that's an area where we, you know, long for growth. Uh, it's not, it's not by design um, that we don't have, you know, a, a steady, you know, chapel service or something. It's just, we, the, the growth has been so rapid. Um, that's where we want to see, you know, things start, uh, you know, growing now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's where the beauty of partnership comes in. Yes. Our church is now mobilized and that's our biggest heart with um, our community and having local partnerships, you know, mm. We really want to be the bridge for people within a church because there's so many options out there and there's so many incredible organizations. And so we've selected ones for our different cities and then um, across the nation to be able to plug people in. And we've seen that. And yeah, the church service, especially I had the opportunity of visiting one during COVID. And I thought it was so beautiful because at the beginning, as things were going, it's everyone sharing their clean time. It was, I have two days and everybody celebrates and, you know, in one week and it's you celebrate and just kind of come together and there's an eager to hear what God wants to say and um just this really special moment and so yeah I know our communities just absolutely loved being a part of that so thanks for letting us join oh that's that's awesome yeah Yeah. so what's your vision with the community of Wally um whether it's you know for the guests or with partnership kind of what vision do you have um, so I, I, our, our vision right now, uh, again, I always say, get like, when I start sharing these things, I'm like, you know, this could be totally meaningless, but, but the reality is, you know, the Lord has a plan and, and so far where I started with, you know, don't control the process has been kind of steady, all the way through, but that doesn't mean that we can't be, you know, have vision or dreams or thoughts. And so we really would love to be a provider of a a full spectrum of care. And that would, that would include having mobile outreach. Uh, That would include having uh, a drop-in center. Once again, a hub for services. We'd love to have like a neighborhood house. There's some really cool places downtown. Mm. Um, where you can go and just do a variety of different things or read a book or get a snack, play pool. So something where the community can gather and then we can, we can, we can meet people, share stories, um, do outreach, get help to folks, uh, and then kind of follow from there. Just, uh, uh, I love the shelter system. A lot of people would probably cringe at me saying that, but uh, shelters really allow for, for folks to get the care that they need, uh, some shelters. Um, that's what we're really working on here at the Olive Branch. We've had nurses and uh, um, um, alcohol and drug uh, uh, counseling staff. We also uh, we have some pretty cool programs that I can explain another time maybe. Um, but, but you know, so having the shelter system, then moving that into housing where you'd have supportive housing, uh, uh, independent housing, and then just just market housing, even where you you still maintain a connection, you're bringing people back in, or you're doing some vocational training through all this, uh, and then so so and then almost as a parallel to that spectrum is is you'd have um, the uh, the detox drug treatment uh, have those whether I mean these the I don't personally I don't want to be running all that stuff that's a lot of stuff. But man, if if uh, if the Lord wants us to do it, we're willing. And uh, and if the Lord wants us to do it, then I want to do it. Um, but that's kind of the dream is to be that full spectrum of care um, and have Christ as the center of it all. Well, I also think that that all of those ways that you would provide care, it's just holistic for a person, and it's getting them from more than that immediate relief to hey, we actually want to see you. Um, start to thrive in life more than yeah, just the yeah. survival and getting by, but to have you thrive and, you know, everyone's story is going to be different, but you do see people and kind of, that was m- one of my questions for you is what has hope looked like for some of the people who have come through your doors, you know, in a place maybe where they had nothing and just kind of at the end of themselves, but they come to Surrey urban mission and what does hope begin to look like for them? Yeah, it's been it's been uh, 
I, I say this a few times, or I can't remember if I've said it to you before, but but I, I, a lot of times we we had a we had actually a good interesting story. We had a fellow come in. I didn't know he was doing this, but he was he was a Christian and he was cornering people and doing like a fire and brimstone sermon to everyone, um, telling them that they're going to go to hell um, if they don't accept Jesus. Um, and he was being that's just very abrasive. Um, a couple of people came to be crying. Um, about this and and uh, one volunteer in particular <laughs> and so so then I I ended up kicking him out <laughs> of the mission um, because he was absolutely refusing to to hear me out on on what I had to say um, and what I was trying to kind of communicate with him was the whole idea of the fire and brimstone um, you're going to go to hell if you don't uh, um, repent doesn't mean a lot. Um, to people who don't really care about their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the, the, you know, what, what, what's death when life doesn't really feel that great. And so, so our goal is to, to get people to, to feel that love. I mean, we're supposed to love ourselves and we're supposed to love others. And, and uh, without loving ourselves, I think that we've got to know that, that any um, alternative form of loving is going to be um, um, drastically affected to the negative um, when that's the case. So, so if we if we can get people kind of seeing that they're valued and loved and and treat people with dignity, they start seeing you know that wow you know dignity is something that that's actually a word that that I can live um, and and then and then kind of have that move into the the, the realm of them loving others it's you know it's really I don't know it's, it's such a important part of what we do and I think that without that um, we're really lost so it's yeah anyways did I even answer your question yeah well I think <laughs> the hope is almost yeah helping someone come to a place where they would want more for themselves because they do love themselves and right. Yeah, there's no real um, the, there's no real need for hope if uh, if you don't have anything that you're you're if you don't think you you could could possibly have anything better. Um, so I think that that when we talk about being, it's funny. I, I just thought about this right now. I've never thought of this before. But our our slogan or whatever, it's a bridge to hope. And um, hmm. I never thought about really that we're not saying that we're hope. Right. And we're not really. Um, there's something very. But but we're we're a bridge to get people to a place where they can hope. Um, I never thought about it that way. I just always I guess I, I didn't make it up. It was already there when I came in and I liked it. Um, but now I even like it more because really it's just that idea that that through loving folks, through caring for them, through, you know, um, letting them know they don't have to sleep outside in the rain. You, you, you start becoming that bridge. You're building this and getting them to a place where hope can exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's really that. beautiful. <laughs> Glad to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of something that someone shared that really impacted me when I was, when I heard it. And it was talking about um, how many people who have actually been naloxoned multiple times and in doing so, the actual, the difference though, when someone doesn't get to that place again, is actually when you inject it into them, they come back to life. It's actually when they come back to life, making a big deal out of it. Like you just came back from the dead. There's clearly a reason for your life. You're not Mm -hmm. a miss or, you know, it's with purpose that you are here again versus, oh, here I'm having you come back to life now, get on your way. Like this was you're taking my time, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that shift of, hey, your life has meaning and value. And I believe that you came back for a purpose. And that starts to change someone, I think. Yeah, I think that's, that's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Um, it's interesting. I've had a couple, uh, um, I, you, you do feel a connection with folks when you, you've you um, helped them out and uh, done a reversal. So that's reversing the effects of a, of a mm-hmm. opioid, opioid overdose. Um, the uh, one fella, he uh, he was actually the the nephew of a woman that I found who had passed away. I'm very sad. Um, but but we were only like a few feet away from where that happened, and uh, and he immediately um, 
like when when he came to he said he said my auntie died right there and we just hugged and uh and we both when the ambulance came we we, we were we were hugging and i'm i'm kind of like self-conscious now the ambulance is coming and they're now wanting to like help this guy and he's like squeezing me and then i said i said oh sorry guys and they said no 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 just stay like that it's okay and i know i know and so we just stayed there hugging well they talked to him over my shoulder and he answered their questions and and then they asked if he wanted to go to the hospital and he said no and and uh and then they said something like oh he'll take care of you patting me on the shoulder i was like yeah i will i will <laughs> it was like um but another fellow who um overdosed um and and did the reversal and i talked to him and i had very similar conversation actually than to the one that you're saying i remembered it immediately when you said it just talked about there's a plan for you there's something more for you you know and then uh and then i and then i said i said uh james what's it going to take and his response and this when you talk about hopelessness his response was somebody not being there with naloxone right uh yeah so so you don't always get the 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 breakthroughs in these moments just it's the lord's work it's his his breakthroughs um but man and then he act he actually overdosed um shortly after that and no one was there um but it's it was uh you know so so uh the more people out here um you know the more people getting to know stories man just get to know one person that's it just get to know one person Love one person well, um, you know, maybe it's someone in your neighborhood already, um, but that's, that's, and then check in on them, especially right now. These, these overdose rates are ridiculous. And so, uh, you know, if you can check in with someone who's, who has addiction issues, uh, you can, you can definitely save someone's life and get in the locks and know how to use it. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lifesaver. Yeah. I mean, there's trainings everywhere, so it's easy. I, I don't know if they're moving it to online at all, but I know there's lots of different organizations that offer naloxone training and it's just helpful if you're out and about. And I, it's funny how God works as well. Usually when you become prepared in some way, he, he uses it yeah. not for everyone, but yeah. no, that's, that's true. Yeah. Be prepared. You're not just going through some sort of, um, uh, ritual. You're, you're, you're learning to save someone's life and you may be called upon to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, be ready, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's incredible. These are the things when I, you know, in, uh, September, 20, 2015, when I stepped into this building, I didn't anticipate sticking needles into people. And, and, uh, you know, I was a lifeguard for years. So the idea of doing artificial respiration or CPR, uh, you know, those were not, uh, you know, unfamiliar, but sticking a needle in someone and, saving their life that way is yeah I wasn't anticipated I'm sure there's been a lot that hasn't been anticipated (laughs) doing podcasts that was not anticipated (laughs) there's so much we as listeners have to learn from you Mike so kind of closing that what keeps you going in the midst of so many challenges I know you get the moments of hope and you know, celebration of joining with people and seeing life transformation. And then there's all this challenges and roadblocks and barriers that come up, whether it's systematically or just with people. And so in the midst of it, and obviously then for yourself, you love people and that carries with you. And so how do you keep going when, when it's tough? Yeah. um, I got good people around me really, really great supportive people, um, who, uh, who know me and, uh, kind of know the way that I, I need to kind of, um, get through things. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly the Lord called me into this and he will sustain me. And, and when I'm at my weakest, he's at his strongest. And, um, I, I think that that's one of the things that I've learned is just the importance of, of, uh, you know, recognizing, uh, you know, it's, it's like Paul and the thorn in the flesh that, that it, it's that, you know, that we, we have these things to remind us that we need, we need the Lord. And so, so, and then, and then also, you know, yeah, I have great you know staff folks around me, but I also have these incredible, our guests are just, uh, they're so, um, encouraging, mm-hmm. um, they, they, genuinely care for me um they genuinely love me and uh 
it's very mutual and it's uh it's got a, it's it's changed changed my life and and there will be someone that'll just say hey mike you know uh or when i come in and someone says hey boss or good morning boss or something like i mean it's just like it's such a term of endearment and such a it's it's it, it immediately it's it's encouraging so there's there's a lot of things and i do believe that the lord um uses the folks around us to, to kind of sometimes say exactly what we need to hear um and uh that's that's a that's a pretty good theme as far as you know what sustained me through this yeah yeah that's so beautiful and i actually think that being reminded of the things that other people have to offer as well it's so easy for us to want to go in because we think we're doing well we can help and you know yeah. change things but actually re- being reminded that people that you're engaging with have just as much to offer you and to be open to what other people have. And there's beautiful relationships and friendships that can form growing up. I had the opportunity of meeting some people and there was one gentleman in particular, he was a very good artist. So each week he made an effort to paint or or draw a new picture and bring it for me and my sister just to bring us joy because we absolutely love them and we would take them home and it was a gift for us. And so being reminded of people have things to give as well. And so allowing them to use their God-given gifts and abilities um, to serve yeah. you back and love you back is really beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I struggle. They struggle. We struggle. It's, it's uh, a human know, issue. Yeah, it's a human issue. And nobody said this was going to be easy um, for any of us. And so I think the more that we can just, you know, not see, you know, anyone as, as, different yet everyone different i don't know um you know it's it's we we want to have these nice little compartments i think sometimes to put people and it's not fair um and it also takes a lot of joy out of out of uh life uh it's pretty fun getting to know everyone mm-hmm. well on that note mike it's been such a pleasure <laughs> having you on with us absolutely love speaking with you today love your wisdom love your heart love your story <laughs> Um, and everything that's happening at Surrey Urban Mission, we've loved seeing it grow. And I know that there's going to be more growth over the years. Um, and for all you lis- listeners, thank you so much for joining in today. If you take one big thing away from our conversation, I think it's that message of finding that one person that you can love and see, especially in this challenging time, because that can make a difference. And yeah, just go out and love your neighbor um, as best as you can. And so thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.